CSG has simplified the complexity of business by delivering innovative customer engagement solutions that help companies acquire, monetize, engage, and retain customers. CSG manages billions of critical customer interactions every year, and you can find out more by visiting csgi.com. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, and we are doing an end-of-year wrap-up looking ahead to 2021. Um, joining me today to talk about uh, a little bit of what to expect in a, quite a few areas is Dario uh, Talmasio from uh, Omdia. He's the research director in the service provider strategy group there. Hi, Dario. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Hi, Finn. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I'm, I'm much better now that uh, that vaccines are starting to be rolled out uh, in the UK and in the US. Uh, that's been a bit of uh, good news for uh, for people in all business sectors. So that's a, a uh, that's got me in a good mood lately. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking about, uh, you know, what we see coming over the horizon for next year, um, you know, uh, because so much of uh, uh, what's happened in 2020 due to the pandemic has kept, uh, uh, I think has kept businesses from, in some cases, it's, it's, it's helped businesses, but in other cases, it's it's held them back and uh, and maybe uh, definitely uh, kept them from being as you know uh, prosperous as they could have been. Um, the first thing I guess I want to ask about is the picture for five G because that's one of the areas where initially five G construction slowed down a little bit, but it looks like it's back on track and it looks like um, it, at least in the U.S. and and we're seeing networks being lit up all over the place. Um, what progress do you expect to see for 5G uh, in, in the next year? Yeah, Finn, I think it's a good start. Uh, I think you said um, there is a vaccine now and, um, and 5G will get a little shot of that as well. Um, quite rightly, it's, <laughs> right. um, the market has um, slowed down in the middle of 2020 and it kind of started uh, again, towards the, the the second half of the second half of the year, uh, many of the licenses or, or the auctions were postponed, interrupted, and launches were interrupted as well. Um, but then it it picked up again. One catalyst for that was uh, finally Apple coming to market with the iPhone and does have a huge. Uh, influence in the market um, let's not forget smartphones says to sell to consumers and consumer need marketing dollars and uh, apple has got a lot of that so it's going to help uh, pretty much <laughs> everybody in the industry at least to um, kind of uh, push the message but also maybe push away some of the conspiracy theories of those that thought 5G was some yeah. mysterious thing out there. Now, when they start seeing their friends with a 5G device in their pocket, they think, oh, actually, is that it? It's just like another phone. Uh, so what, some of those conspiracy theories might, might go away, uh, partially thanks to Apple. So, But all in all, as an industry, next year we are approaching um, what we call a readiness for uh, for mass market introduction. That means that all the conditions are there um, for a market to to take off in uh, in volumes. Next year we are going to have mm. 
more than half a billion subscriptions of 5G in the market by the end of uh, next year. Um, and that is quite remarkable. Um, that means that uh, we will have more network densification. That we, means that we, we will have more network coverage. Um, and that means that those subscribers are not only going to be basically in China, because if we have to summarize 2020 in 5G terms, that is, we can just put a flag that's China, as in, in terms of where <laughs> the subscriptions are. Uh, yes, there's Korea. That, that's yeah, where everything there's, happened, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of everything else. But if you want to summarize 2020 in for consumer 5G, just put the Chinese flag. That's where it happened. But from next year, obviously, things will be completely different. It will be everywhere, and it will be um, not only for, for, for the top end of the market, kind of Apple-like devices, but also for, for the mid-segment. Um, mid we have plenty of, of devices. All OEMs are now supporting, supporting 5G. And that leads into something that is more interesting, even more interesting, is the fact that once the networks are de deployed and tested enough in the consumer business, then there is confidence from service providers starting to introduce what the real 5G is, which is a network that can be programmed, a network that can be customized uh, for the requirement of enterprises. Uh, and that leads right. into network uh, slicing, which in turn will require um, the deployment of 5G core um, and uh, obviously 5G standalone. And towards the end of next year, or for some advanced service providers even earlier, we will see some of the commercialization of network slicing. So uh, the, the real promise of 5G, which is a network that can be um, kind of sliced and diced the way the customer yeah. wants it, um, is, is happening in 2021. So we can even say the real 5G is happening in 2021 and some commercial activities will start as, um, as a result of it. So... If we were excited in 2019 because it was the first introduction of 5G, 2020, let's face it, was a crappy year for many ways. In many ways, for uh, for all of us, not not in technology. Many many yeah. ways. In many, in too, <laughs> in too many ways. Uh, but 2021 is uh, right. the most exciting year yet for 5G. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's a great summary for uh, kind of where things stand. Um, I, I appreciate that you you brought up Apple in the in the case of um, not just being an influential uh, commercial catalyst for uh, 5G's acceptance, but also kind of um, normalizing 5G and battling against the misinformation that's out there about the you know 5G's uh, effects and things like that. Um, I also think that there will be quite a few people that simply upgrade their phone and don't really think about 5G and but but because it's an Apple device you're they're kind of in that ecosystem and they just upgrade and that's what they get and maybe it's you know maybe it'll um, work its way into their lives that way um, plus uh, the, an, yeah sorry yeah another um, kind of uh, related activity to 5G you know is um, the uh, the, the cloud providers getting more and more involved in service provider, uh, uh, you know, activities and sort of wanting to partner with them, um, not only to sell to enterprises, but also to, you know, add value to 5G networks. Um, 
so I guess I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on how influential cloud partnerships will be on carrier and telco activities uh, as, as 5G rolls out. Uh, well, it's interesting. You, you phrase it in, in a way that um, cloud providers are <clears throat> getting more involved uh, into, into 5G, but we can see it also the, the other way. Uh, in the sense that telecom service providers are more involved in the cloud business and simply because they kind of meet halfway into what is called the edge of the network where where the the involvement of of cloud providers and the involvement of service provider and in in a way their future is um, or or their, their roads are merging into one. Um, and uh, therefore, we are moving from a situation where, from a service provider point of view, in the past, um, the, the partnership with cloud providers or hyperscale operators were, was mainly um, a partnership in terms of selling things to market, being a challenge to market on their behalf. Now it's changing. Mm-hmm. Now uh, service providers are becoming an element that is building some of those cloud services, so hosting edge onto onto the onto the network, um, and that will make a, a, a substantial difference. Of course, um, the fact that five G is sold on a promise of, of low latency uh, needs to take into consideration the fact that uh, the workloads are moving into the cloud as because they are moving uh, and. Um, and edge is going to provide low latency, so the two together will will strike an important uh, combination uh, from a from a market point of view, from like budgets point of view. Uh, those those uh, companies that are investing in in edge, so those enterprises that are are going to buy edge are also going to require faster connectivity to connect. Um, uh, the edge servers in, in, uh, into their own businesses. So the, the, these two macro worlds are becoming even more intertwined uh, and, uh, and codependent. We are no longer going to see the, mm-hmm. the classic um, uh, frenemies type of discussions. Maybe if you, if you fast forward in a few years' time, all the industry structure will change but the reality is that they, they can't live without each other at the moment. Right. Yeah, no, a great observation too in, in, the, in how um, they've met each other in the middle because I've also noticed that quite a few, as telcos have been restructuring and um, uh, letting automation kind of slim down their operations in so many areas um, and, and trimming headcount, um, a lot of the cloud providers, uh, especially this year, have made a lot of announcements about the number of telco executives that they've hired in their various uh, groups to help them, uh, you know, lead their their sales efforts, their strategic efforts, you know, to talking to telcos. So, um, uh, yeah, great point there. I do think I do think the two sides are 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 meeting in the middle at the edge. Um, uh, let's see. Let's let's uh, quickly pivot to a different topic. Um, so this one's kind of more on the economic fallout. So we wouldn't be, you know, you can't talk about 2020 without um, uh, talking about COVID-19. Um, when 
COVID, when, when we are lifted out of the pandemic, where, you know, the economic um, uh, punishment that a lot of families have withstood during this time uh, is going to be evident in that, you know, a lot of consumers simply aren't going to have the resources and the income and the, and the job security that they enjoyed prior to the pandemic. Um, how do uh, telcos and service providers reckon with this um, new reality where a broad uh, mass market of people are going to be economically disadvantaged and maybe not able to afford as many or as rich a, a service as they as they could before? Fair. I, I wish I had the answer uh, to that. Um, there isn't a simple answer because it's very difficult to to face um, reducing disposable income if you are if you are a supplier. But there are there are a few activities that make sense. Um, so if you if you look at the way normally marketeers are, are segmenting the customer base. Uh, there is this new segment <clears throat> that is talked about um, in, in the aftermath of the crisis, which is called the new poor. Now, people um, who prior to the pandemic had a, a perfectly, um, uh, let's say, comfortable life and find themselves uh, suddenly struggling. Those are people who did experience Technology. Those are people who did experience uh, mobility and did experience the highest kind of services in their life before. So this is not uh, an emerging market type of problem. So this, how do you sell right. into, into the new pool? And it's it's um, it's not it's not an easy one. What we see some some service providers have started segmenting the customer base in different ways and uh, and often. Uh, implementing uh, sub-brands that are crafted towards those customers that are no longer able to afford the high-end subscriptions. This was done, this is not entirely new. This was uh, mm-hmm. very, very uh, frequent in the, in the student market. You know, um, very right, often, yeah. service provider used to have uh, a, a sub-brand that was a less known brand, maybe fully digital, that was used primarily to sell to students. Um, now, we will see increasingly service providers uh, doing sub-brands for people who are looking for a job or uh, promotions for, uh, for, for people who cannot afford uh, uh, the fully-fledged type of services. That is something, it's segmentation. Uh, it doesn't mean that the same amount of uh, and the same amount of budgets are going to be at uh, at service providers' uh, <clears throat> uh, reach, but it means that a service provider can lower, in some cases, the cost of services without impacting the entire customer base, and they can still keep relatively higher prices for those customers who can still afford. Uh, to spend. Obviously, there is also another need to tackle those customers that saved a lot of money during the pandemic because they didn't go on holiday, they didn't go to a restaurant, they didn't buy clothes or shorts or, or ties uh, or nice shoes uh, <laughs> or, or makeup or, or they didn't go to hairdresser like I do. Uh, so they saved, these customers saved a lot of money and in theory, they have a huge disposable budget. So mechanism to do to work on that 
are also something they need to work on. And finally, obviously, service providers will knock at the doors of uh, governments and uh, ask them for eventually subsidies to uh, to deploy the internet, maybe in rural areas, or to do certain fiber upgrades or certain 5G upgrades, but also to issue um, internet vouchers to customers who are not able to afford the internet. So in a way, in indirect subsidies to the customers in order to to funnel back this money in, in, into the telecom ecosystem. Many activities. It's gonna. It's not gonna be easy, obviously. But there are many activities that are are. Um, yeah, when that's you a, put that, them all together, they should function. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's also um, something definitely that we're we're gonna kind of keep an eye on, just because it will um, it, it will show up in the numbers. It will show up in the in the service provider public comments and how they sort of express what their strategy is, you know, to the, to the mass market and getting 5g acceptance and things like that. Um, another thing that they that service providers seem to be, um, very bullish on, um, this year. And, uh, it, it, you know, I know they've done this in the past, but it seems like this year there's been an awful lot more focus on it. And I expect there will be next year too, is corporate social responsibility. Um, you know, not just in, um, doing things that are environmentally friendly, but also, um, you know, uh, really trying to hire a more, you know, from a more diverse pool of candidates, um, and making the workplace a little bit more welcoming, uh, than it has been in the past. Um, you know, what, uh, are you expecting to see in the way of, uh, corporate social responsibility in 2021 and, uh, and what's, uh, you know, and what have been some of maybe the the bigger uh, uh, steps in that direction so far? I feel I think I think you're onto something that is going to be pretty big. Um, I think it was roughly a year ago when service provider identified <clears throat> the corporate social responsibility as a strategic area of growth, uh, not of growth, sorry, a strategic area of activity um, from their side for a number of reasons that we, 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 we go into um, l- later on if you want. Um, so we we started looking into into the main service providers, uh, into the, the, the Deutsche Telekom, the AT&Ts and Vodafones and Orange and, um, and all the major ones and said, okay, they all say they want to invest more in being good corporate citizens. So what are they doing, really? Um, so we mapped about 200 different type of activities that they did collectively. At the number one, by far, is anything that is around green energy. Um, of course, um, being being seen as a, as a company that um, cares about the environment is extremely important. It's becoming important for customers as well, um, but it is becoming important for, uh, for for pretty much everybody. Obviously, let's not forget that saving energy also saves money for service provider. But it's not the only reason why they're doing that. Right. The yeah. the energy related activities are by far the most frequent type of activities in, in corporate social responsibility, including becoming carbon neutral with fairly kind of long-term goals. 
Um, but there is not just that. There is social welfare. There's social inclusion, digital inclusion. There's conservation. There's diversity, digital learning, and ethics. You know, for the first time we see this year ethics coming up in into the corporate social responsibility agenda of service providers, specifically in relation to AI. I mean, we are at the end of December now. We've all read the news about Google being publicly slapped on their wrist um, because allegedly or apparently they forced, they forced someone uh, working on AI ethics to resign. I don't know whether this person had to resign or decided to resign, but clearly this is not a good place to be when the entire world is, is talking is, is debating about whether you are an ethical company or not in your approach to AI. Now, when you take all of this into the service provider business, why is corporate social responsibility becoming so important for service providers? Now, let's not forget, service providers have suffered the regulatory pressure for their entire life. Regulators in telecom do exist essentially to keep service providers on check and and they have been uh, forced into do so many things that they wouldn't have done uh, otherwise but also oh, yeah. um, let's let's say that um, th- there is another reason why service providers need to be good for societies because at the core of what they do they buy spectrum and they buy spectrum from governments and they pay a lot of money right. for that spectrum. So maybe if service provider had been seen as good corporate citizens in the past, maybe some of these exorbitant prices would have not been paid. Also, like adding to that, the capital market, um, there are many, many investors now that do take into consideration environmental, societal and governance activities of of uh, of service providers before uh, issuing subscribing to bonds or before uh, lending money to to them so the investor pressure is also going to be uh, quite strong on service providers to fulfill their corporate social responsibility there are a number of reasons why this is becoming important and it's a lot more than what we have unfortunately seen in the past which was a bit of a greenwash over many activities. It, it, there is now a, 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 an effort by service providers um, about being seen as a company that has a purpose for their employees, for societies, for governments, and for their par- business partners. It, it really is happening. Yeah, and it's a, um, as you point out, in, in every case, it seems like um, it's becoming a reality, but obviously it's a very it's a very short path that leads back to um, uh, more efficient operations and profitability. <laughs> um, you, you still you, you can still follow the money uh, as opposed to following their hearts. I guess is the way to put it. Um, okay, I think we can leave it there for now. Um, uh, I, I, I also want to be respectful of your time. I know you've got a, a packed schedule uh, as we're as we're closing out the year. So uh, Dario Talmesio, thanks so much for uh, for taking the time and being part of the Light Reading Podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Phil, and thank you for uh, this time as well. And looking forward to seeing you in the flesh in 2021 and the rest of us who are listening yes. to us.
I will be I, I will be uh, vaccinated as soon as possible and uh, and darkening your doorstep soon. <laughs> Take care. Bye. CSG has simplified the complexity of business by delivering innovative customer engagement solutions that help companies acquire, monetize, engage, and retain customers. CSG manages billions of critical customer interactions every year, and you can find out more by visiting csgi.com.